A week ago today, after dropping off our kid at the Mountain, a Unitarian Universalist summer camp in Highlands, North Carolina, my husband and I parked our dusty Camry in a gravel lot in the Natahala National Forest. We gradually descended via a woodland trail, a slew of switchbacks accompanied by an abundance of mountain laurel. With every step down, we knew there would be another coming back up, so it was with great delight when we saw that our huffing and puffing would be well rewarded. We reached the first overlook of Glen Falls, a spectacular rushing triple waterfall. We stood with rapt attention, wondering how many gallons of water plunged over those falls every minute. We took off our shoes and waded in a refreshing, shallow pool of water from the falls. Well, not exactly, because quite literally, Glen Falls is made up of the water of the East Overflow Creek. But we know better than that, because that lake, that creek doesn't exist by itself. It's fed by a lake, so it's actually lake water, but not really, because that lake is fed by other bodies of water, and so it goes. Water flowing from the Glen Falls eventually makes its way to Lake James, and some of that river ends up in Lake Hickory. So in a strange way, the water here and the water in Glen Falls are connected. And here we are at this small, growing Unitarian Universalist congregation in the Catawba Valley. We are 60, 70 people who, through many meandering routes, like little drops of water, have found ourselves together. When you heard Dana Warsnop's reading just a second ago, maybe you identified with her sentiment of wanting to be with people where I don't have to think like everyone else to be loved, to be eligible for salvation. Some of you accidentally landed here or at another UU congregation and were amazed and drawn by the people. You mean there are other people like me who want to wrestle with the deep questions of life? There are people who will encourage me to use my mind and engage my heart too? But this place being here is no accident. It's not some oasis in the desert that just popped up. No, just like a waterfall can't just appear in isolation, our congregation has been fed by many sources over a long span of time. So today we take a trip upstream to investigate the sources of our unique living waters. So I'd like to take, invite each of you to pick up a gray hymnal and turn to hymn number one. And once you find hymn number one, back up a page. And then you're going to see on the, the, the left-hand page, we the member congregations. So you'll see the seven principles of unity. Did you find it? There you'll find the seven principles of Unitarian Universalism. These are the 
principles that we often teach our children. They're fairly familiar to most of us who have been around for a while. But as you track down the page, you're going to see sources of our faith, which are equally powerful, though they receive far less attention than the principles. That's going to be our focus for today and the rest of the summer, the sources of our faith. So way back in our ancient UU history, 1984, <laughs> there was a formal effort to name the pools of wisdom from which we draw. And the result of this work was the development of five sources. I think in some hymnals you'll see five, and you might see six if you have a more recent hymnal. The six was added a decade later. So the very first source is common to us all. We might even think of it as our headwaters. And I'll invite you to say it with me. It is direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. That was number one. They should have numbered them, but they didn't. The very first question we might ask anyone in our faith tradition is, what is your experience? How do you experience the holy? What renews you? What opens you? Maybe you connect with the sacred watching waterfalls or the stars, sitting by the bedsides of the dying, singing in our choir, reading to beloved children, or watching old Star Trek episodes. Maybe you find wonder breathing in the aroma of sizzling garlic and olive oil, or growing zucchini, or solving an exquisite math problem. Our faith celebrates our individual ways of experiencing transcending mystery and wonder. We are enriched at the unending diversity of experiences and expressions. Now, some people whose entire focus is on individual experience might create something akin to a dam right where they are. They might be content to focus wholly on their own experience, not have any interest in joining the flow of their life with others in spiritual community. Fair enough. But many of us here would find that approach limiting. Something has called us into community. Which leads us to our second source, a mighty, powerful tributary, which is words and deeds of prophetic women and men which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. If our first source says unabashedly, your experience matters, the second source reminds us it's not really all about you. Because there are those in this world who have been left out and left behind. Our second source challenges us to devote some part of our energies to creating a more just world. Think of the word prophet, and you might have biblical images in mind. But of course, there are modern day prophets too. Many of you likely read the recent news story about Scott Warren. 
who was prosecuted by our government for providing clean water, food, and clothes, and beds to two undocumented migrants crossing the Sonoran Desert in southern Arizona. You may not know that No More Deaths, the organization for which Scott Warren volunteered, is a ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Tucson, Arizona. And that this UU ministry, with the support of our Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, issued a report that sharply criticized the U.S. Border Patrol only hours before Warren was charged. Scott Warren said simply and prophetically to the press and the powers that be, if you live in a place where people are dying by the dozens every year around you, how could you not respond? It is in our UUDNA to be attuned to the world's suffering and to be moved to act. But we're not done with our journey yet. Dig deep, and you will find subterranean reservoirs of the world's religions. Alongside the waters of the Ganges and the Yangtze, people of faith for millennia have sat, reflecting on their deep experiences. Our third source is wisdom from the world's religions, which inspires us in our ethical and spiritual life. If you've been to services here for a while, you know that it's in our very common that wisdom from the world's religions finds its way into our services, our discussion groups, and our informal conversations. Did you know that there are more than 125 practice groups in 34 states who list themselves as part of the UU Buddhist Fellowship? Our own congregation's weekly meditation group is in the process of reconfiguring but it has been for many years, and I hope will be again, a key part of who we are and what we offer. As we continue our journey, you will hear the loud and unmistakable churning flow of our Jewish and Christian heritage. Jewish and Christian teachings, which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. This is water that for some of us has been muddied by challenging and disappointing experiences. And for others of us, it still sparkles with gorgeous clarity. All of it feeds into our liberating faith. Now, there are certainly people in our congregations for whom Jewish and Christian teachings and God language don't play any part in their individual spiritual lives. And that's okay. Each one of us individually is influenced by different sources in different ways, and some more than others. But we can't deny that Jewish and Christian teachings, including God language and prayer, are major tributaries of our collective faith. They are part of who we are, and we lose something if we deny this. So if your Christian roots and your Jewish roots inform you and nourish you, that is a beautiful thing. That belongs here, and you're holding on to them and pointing to them and referencing them and naming them makes us better. Reverend Jason Shelton wrote a whole musical cantata based on the six sources. Reflecting on them, he says, 
There are differences between us that are real and substantive. And if we let them, they could tear us apart. He continues, instead of watering every down, everything down to the theological lowest common denominator, we need to be in integrity with each of our sources. Not watering down Christianity so the humanist feels comfortable with it, or watering down humanism so the pagans feel comfortable. Sometimes there will just be things that express your theology and make me feel uncomfortable. But I will grow spiritually by being in community with you, who sees things differently. As we continue to investigate the source of our living waters, there are many in our congregations who could explain that all water is made up of molecules that are two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. This knowledge is given to us by science, a source that to us is no threat but a benefit. This leads us to our fifth source, humanist teachings, which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science and warn us against idolatries of the mind and spirit. Beginning in the early 20th century, humanism played an influential role in Unitarian Universalism. I'm going to do a whole sermon on humanism later in the month that unpacks some of that rich history. But in short, humanists assert that human beings are capable of leading ethical and responsible lives even without relying on supernaturalism. Asked, can we be good without God, the humanist answer is uncategorically yes. They assure us that, aided by science, we can progress and evolve as human beings and solve our challenges by working together. Isn't it amazing that a staunch humanist who may have absolutely no use for God language, can find themselves in the same religion, worshiping and sharing a potluck meal in the same community with someone who is certain that there is nothing other than God. It takes commitment to respect and openness, maybe sometimes the ability to breathe deeply, but we can and we do coexist. Finally, we meander to the sixth and final source, at least for now, which was added only in 1995, but has very common roots, very ancient roots. So some of you aren't going to see it. Raise your hand if you have it. Just a couple. We got a couple new hymnals. Okay. So those of you who have it, spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. So just as there are innumerable streams that flow from Christianity and Judaism, there are numerous varied pagan and earth-centered traditions with diverse practices and rituals. And in general, the earth-centered religions honor as sacred teachers the cycles, the seasons, the elements, the earth, the air, the fire, the water, the moon, the stars. This source teaches us that nature is alive, is inherently spiritual, and that we humans are not separate from that nature. 
1980 at the UU Continental Feminist Theology Convocation, participants created a service with earth-centered pagan elements, a water communion. Participants commingled water from their homes and poured together in a common bowl. That powerful ritual rippled out into many UU congregations, including this one, and is now a beloved annual tradition. I said that the sixth source is the final one for now, because ours is a living tradition. So it's very likely that we'll add more sources in the future. There is no the end where we finalize our sources for all time. We assume that they will be revisited. UU theologian James Luther Adams once said, revelation is not sealed, it is ongoing. From all of these many and varied streams, we meet and merge. So my friends, drink deeply from this well of living waters. On days when your soul, your spirit, your heart, your mind are parched, there is and there will continue to be a sustaining, invigorating flow. With gratitude for the waters, for all the waters, for all the sources, today we recommit ourselves to being good stewards of this faith, which has been entrusted now to us to care for and nourish. That those who come after us here will find that too, which can sustain and challenge them in the world that is yet to be. <laughs>